Well, hello and good day, everyone. This is the Star City Podcast, where you can listen in with us on interesting conversations with special guests and their stories from family, work, life, and faith. I'm your host, Brian Smith, and today we're going to hear from Dr. Jeff Dixon and his wife, Brianna. Guys, welcome to the program today. We are glad that you are here with us. We're glad to be here. Now, Jeff, you and Brianna, for the past 11 years, you've been serving Crystal Spring Baptist Church right here in Roanoke. You've been their pastor, Jeff, but recently you you have accepted the call to be pastor of Salem Baptist Church over in Goochland, Virginia. In fact, that's a ministry that you will begin only really a a few weeks from now. So we are really glad that you're carving out a little bit of time uh, to be with us today. Uh, Let's just jump right in to your story, and you can unpack that together with us. How did you and Brianna meet, and how did God bless your family? Well, we're glad to be here, and Brianna and I met quite by God's grace at Liberty University as freshmen. In fact, we met even before freshman year really began and started a relationship early on in our college days and um, began dating. And then we were engaged shortly after we graduated or I graduated and were married a week after Brianna graduated and walked the stage. And we were we were always very intentional even when we were dating about uh, serious questions and conversations, knowing I was called to ministry and Brianna felt led to do ministry in some capacity also. And so even from early on, we were discussing, you know, what our potential family would look like and the priorities we would set as parents to always ensure that God came first in our lives. And then we came second, each other, and then our kids would fit right in in third place and trying to at least conceive of that even before we were married and and would have children later on. We um, had very serious conversations early on. I asked Jeff how many kids he wanted and (laughs) um, first date questions and if he'd be willing to adopt one day because I really felt called to adopt. And he said yes. And he wanted, I don't know how many kids, I wanted four, you wanted two. two. (laughs) <laughs> so we were, when we talked about that and um, the things that we would do while we were dating and when, what would happen when we would get married. Um, and we did get married the week after graduation. We had all of our friends and family already in town. So we went ahead and did that. And then we moved to Roanoke pretty quick after that. Wow. So y'all dated all the way through Liberty University as you were college students. And then kind of a double graduation, graduated from school and graduated into life as Mr. and Mrs. Absolutely. That's that, right. That is wonderful. Now, in what ways uh, was your faith challenged in the life with regards to your family? Family. So shortly after we were married, um, we had started having our kids. You know, we had our plan, but God had other plans, and we had them sooner than we anticipated. <clears throat> and uh, God blessed us with our daughter, Audrey, and then 17, 18 months later, blessed us with Henry. And then just a couple of years after that, blessed us with Landry. And we, in many ways, enjoyed what you would call just a real picturesque ministry family, mm-hmm. our girl and two boys, everyone happy, healthy, and just a really charmed and blessed life that we were enjoying here in Roanoke. And then all of that really changed very suddenly um, one typical morning. 
I always marveled at the fact that I had three kids, three and under, and I just was so prideful almost in saying that to people like, oh, how many kids do you have? Oh, I have three, three and under. And um, we really were just so blessed and so thankful. But one morning we were at my parents' house and I had put Landry, our youngest, down for a nap. He was six months old. And um, my other two were, we were playing with my sister outside and he took his nap while I was inside with him. And when I went to check on him about 45 minutes to an hour into his nap, um, he was in his crib with no blankets and no pillow, just like I put my other children down, but he had labored breathing and um, I had to pick him up and start CPR right away. And my Mm. sister was with me and she had to call 911 and they got there really fast and they lost him on the way to the hospital. And I wasn't there. I was on my way to a soccer game for Brianna's brother and getting a call. Uh, my mother-in-law was in the back seat of that car and she getting a call and just exclaiming, Landry's not breathing and they're on the way to the hospital. We turned that car around and rushed as fast as we could to the hospital. And I didn't learn of what had occurred until I was in the hospital with Brianna and saw her there in the emergency area holding mm. our son and um, really being challenged, unlike any time ever in our lives before, um, in that moment, to whether or not we were really going to practice in that moment what we had preached and taught so many others for so long about faith, about hope, about about persevering under pressure. And it was quite a challenge um, in so many ways. You know, going through your mind, you're just thinking, surely, God, this this isn't happening or it's going to be okay. And then stepping into that hospital and seeing uh, Brianna's face, you knew that your worst dreaded fears of what was about taking place or would take place indeed had. And so it's, it's shock, you're numb, you're heartbroken, you're scared. And that in that setting, uh, what was something that God brought to your mind in that initial moment to to just give you something in that moment to hold on to? Before he saw my face, he could hear me. He said that was, and I'm a very pretty quiet person, so that was probably shocking anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just holding my son's lifeless body and the weight of that in my arms. I mean, Mm. it's just, I tear up thinking even still. It's just almost unbearable. And I looked at Jeff and I said, what are we going to do? And in that moment, I mean, as a that's something that you're never prepared to hear right. as a as a husband, a young husband and father. I didn't know what to say other than and it must have been the Holy Spirit in my life motivating me to say this. We're going to stay strong. People are going to be watching us walk through this. Mm. Our kids are going to watch us walk through this. Our church is going to watch us walk through this. And and that's all I knew to say in that moment. And over the over the last over the next couple of weeks, God really brought to my mind a passage of scripture that I had heard and and people had even shared with us after they were after what happened to try to encourage us, and it's First Peter one six and seven, which says, "In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith be more precious than." gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I kind of mm. I kind of snipped at that verse a little bit. I mean, how in the world can I possibly rejoice in this? 
in this kind of a trial? What, what, what could possibly um, motivate me to have joy even in this moment and in this season? And Peter's able to say that because he reminds the church leading up to that verse of three things that can never be taken from God's people. And the first is in verse 3, which he reminds them that our salvation can never be taken away. In verse 4, he reminds the church that their inheritance in heaven can never be taken away. And in verse 5, he reminds them that God's presence can never be taken away. Yes. And it's only after he reminds them of those things that are permanent and lasting and eternal that he then is able to say, in this, you can greatly rejoice. And I had to learn and did the hard way that this broken and fallen world can take away my peace, my comfort, and even my beautiful young six-month-old son. But it can never take away what has been given to me by Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Yes. You know, how how has your perspective of heaven, with Landry now being there waiting for you, how has that changed? Did it change in your preaching or your thinking about heaven or talking about heaven with the, your other children? How did how did his sudden unexpected homegoing um, sharpen your what you believed and had learned in the Bible about heaven? Oh, absolutely. I think for having young children, Audrey was three and Henry was two when he when Landry passed away, and so automatically our our other thought is first we're we're you know heartbroken, but our next thought is we have two children. You know we ha- we don't want them to we want them to see us suffering well. And one day they might not understand it now, but one day they'll look back and say, you know, my parents suffered well, and using that as an example. And so we yeah. started talking to our children right away, just telling them honestly what happened and. I remember one day, Audrey, we were in the grocery store and we're buying stuff and a lady asked us, oh, you have your hands full, you know, as they do with two young kids. And I was like, well, you know, not as not as full as they could be. It was like a week after my son had passed away. And and I to- started telling her about Landry. It's always a good opportunity to witness. And she's like, oh, well, he's a little angel looking down over you. And Audrey looked at her and said, he's not an angel. He's bigger than the angels. He was made in God's (laughs) image. And so just teaching our children little facts like that, um, you know, he's, he is, he's in heaven and he's waiting and um, God already created his angels and just being very intentional about what we teach our kids and um, the truths of heaven and then having them be excited to go there. They'll draw pictures about heaven and what Landry might be doing in heaven and the things that he might be able to say to Jesus. And when he, Audrey has questions or Henry has questions, she's like, I wish I wish I could just ask Jesus like Landry can mm. when there's hard things. And so just getting that excitement, especially for the kids. You know, when we're younger and we think about heaven, it seems to be such a faraway place. And then we encounter something in life where the reality of our own mortality won't let us run and hide from that which is inescapable, that we are passing through this life. We are not camping out here and building a house. We're camping out here on our way to a much better place with our Father's house. Now, we've all been in ministry for years, and we know that one of the most challenging experiences that any marriage, any family can face is the death of a child. And I know you've already alluded to it that God has used your experience to help you in ministering to other 
families and parents who have uh, lost a, a child uh, unexpectedly. What was it that God used to bring you guys closer together and preserve your marriage and family rather than, as tragically, what happens sometimes splitting you apart? I, I think it goes all the way back to when we were dating. We, we made those commitments to put God first, each other second, and our kids third. And as tragic and awful as it was for us to lose our son, our hope is not in our son. Our purpose is not in our son. Our value and mm. our our salvation is not in our son. It's in God's son. Yes. And I think when people idolize either their children or their workplace or their marriage over God, when those things are taken away or when something unexpected happens— it can break the foundation of one's life, one's marriage. But we had to make a very conscious choice that we were going to practice what we had preached and taught ourselves from very young, even while we were dating, that that our hope is in something that cannot be taken. And, and that is what we would tell ourselves when we didn't want to believe it. And it's something that became um, something that we clung to in those difficult moments and I think it's so very important for people to hear that their hope needs to lie in something that is lasting and eternal, yes. not in the fleeting things of this world. And we would, we would also tell ourselves um, it's not on how we feel, it's on what we know. Because mm. we don't feel like God is good in that moment. You don't feel like God has blessed us when he's taken your son, but we know that he's good and we know that he is still to prosper. And so even in little situations when things would happen, we'd say, well, this doesn't feel good, but we know that God is good. And even saying that to our kids when they get upset, like, well, that doesn't feel very good right now, but we know that, you know, the scripture tells us this, this, and this, and this is how we can rely on the word of God because this is what we know. So this happens, and then you're walking through this journey, this valley of the shadow. You're trying to still, as Christian parents, explain to your children what has happened to their brother, and then what began to happen with opportunities that God began to send your way or use in your life uh, afterwards? Shortly after Landry passed away, I um, looked into an adoption agency that a friend had recommended, and we really weren't ready to do anything like that. We hadn't thought about that really in a long time, and um, I started kind of praying about it. And then Jeff started praying about it. We talked about it. And then we just decided that that was something that the Lord really did have for us. So we started the adoption process in June and mustard with Mustard Seed Adoption Consultants. We used a consultant company and their verse is Matthew 17, 20, faith like a mustard seed. And we felt like that went really well with our testimony and just being faithful to what the Lord would place in front of us and take in one step next. And so we started that process in June. We were matched. Well, we started, yeah, we started the process in June. We um, were home study ready in September. We were matched in January, and then we brought our daughter home in May. So it was about eight months from when we actually started the process, and it was a whirlwind experience. Yeah, and God really flung the doors open and proved that this was His will for our lives in so many ways of really greasing the floor in front of us to— to launch us into this new and exciting adventure. What was amazing was one of the things that the birth mom 
resonated with when she saw our profile and chose us to be the parents was Landry's story. Mm. And and the fact that we were people of faith and that we were trusting the Lord. And that was amazing. You know, many people were very generous after Landry passed away to help us and 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 provide gifts. And those gifts were used to adopt and bring this girl home who would not have otherwise had wow. a, a, a godly home to come home to. And there were just so many amazing things that God used in that experience. And it was just it wasn't as though we as parents sought to replace our son because we know we could never do that. But for whatever reason, we knew that we had love to give and we wanted to share that love with um, this, whoever God would match us with. And now we have a beautiful little girl, Heidi, and she's now two and she's just an incredible, credible blessing. Wow. Uh, wonderful, guys. Let me, as we wrap things up today, let me ask you this question. What What do you want our listeners to take away, our friends to take away from your story that you've shared with us today? I think the biggest thing that we say a lot is that our hope is not in our children. Our hope would not have been if we never, I mean, even if we hadn't adopted it wasn't like, oh, we're going to have another child and that's going to be what we put our hope in or, or our hope is in the children that we have left or or anything like that. Our hope really is in Jesus and eternity, and that's what we want our children to remember too. Another thing, and Brianna said it earlier, is in moments of trial and tribulation, God's people have to lean on what they know to be true and yes, not how they right. feel in that moment. And that's something that we consistently try to live out. Don't always get it right, but consistently try to exercise in our lives as a family. What a very important truth, Jeff and Brianna, that is for our world today, where if something feels right to us, then we think it's right. But God calls us not to live by feelings, but to live by faith. Jeff and Brianna, what an honor it has been to sit down with you guys for just a few minutes, especially in this very busy time of life. And uh, I want to thank you so very much for sharing your story, which I know will be a blessing and used by the Lord to help many others in the days and weeks to come. And so, friend, I want to thank you for joining us. And I want to invite you to invite someone else to listen in on the Star City podcast each week. I'm Brian Smith, hoping that you have a great rest of your week. And remember to look for ways that you can be a blessing to someone else. Because it's always a bigger blessing to give than it is to receive. Until next time, may God richly bless you and yours. <music>